0: Welcome to So Money. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. And today on the show, we have the lovely Kate Northrup. She's the author of Money, A Love Story, Untangle Your Financial Woes and Create the Life You Really Want. She and her work have been featured on The Today Show, Yahoo Finance, The Huffington Post, and many, many more places, and she mentors entrepreneurs in creating financial freedom. Kate is a tremendous source of wisdom. During our interview, she describes the importance of identifying what we value in our lives and how that necessarily translates into a stronger, more committed relationship with our money. She shares the crystallizing financial moment in her childhood when her parents got divorced, Plus, the spending missteps in her 20s that she admits now she took because, well, she wanted to look more successful than she actually was. And I just love Kate and admire her for being so honest, so raw, so candid in this interview. And I think you're going to appreciate her just as much. Here is Kate Northrup. Kate Northrup, thank you so much for joining me on So Money today. You know, I've been a big fan of your work ever since you published Money, a Love Story. We interviewed you on Yahoo Finance. Um, It was a very successful video. People just really are drawn to your voice. You're an amazing writer, and you speak from experience uh, because you haven't always had success with money, and you were very transparent and candid in your book. I think you're helping um, countless, countless people really take their finances, from good to great or okay to better, and, um, and I think you're a real inspiration. And for those of us on the call on the podcast who aren't familiar with Money, A Love Story, tell us what it's about and your journey to bringing that story to life. Yeah. So
1: it's really a book about the energy and the emotional aspects of money. Um, There are some practical tips in there about saving and reducing your spending and some practical tips about business and investing. Uh, But mostly it is a book about getting your head and heart in alignment so that money um, becomes less of a stress in your life and that you feel more in the flow and you feel more abundant and you continue to have positive behaviors around money because i think a lot of us just like with the dieting world and the health world you know everyone knows they need to exercise more and eat less um everybody knows that they need to save more and spend less that's not news but then it's (laughs) why don't we do that and so i address the why don't we do that in money a love story and really help people to get their actions in alignment with um with what they think, what they actually want. So it's really an integrity issue, actually.
0: And we're going to get to more of your personal story in uh, our time together today. But you bring up an interesting word that I've heard repeated um, in, in many of my conversations with, on this podcast, with um, successful people who um, have a really good relationship with money. And it's the word abundance. And I feel like it's a very... Uh, new agey word because it's coming back into, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of making a comeback. And I want to know, what's your definition of abundance? How do you define that?
1: Abundance to me is having trust that there's more than enough to go around that. Um, it's really divorcing ourselves from the zero sum model. And knowing that uh, there really is more than enough well-being to go around, more than enough money to go around, more than enough success to go around, and being able to relax a little bit in the trust that there isn't more than enough.
0: Mm. Well, since we're sort of philosophical already, um, <laughs> let's let's keep let's keep at it. My first question for all my guests is um, a philosophical question. It's a personal question. And I want to find out what is your personal financial philosophy or mantra that you apply in your life that helps keep your money in check.
1: My personal financial philosophy is that money is a stand-in for what we value. And really when it when my money life, you know, if I get off track at all, I come back to what are my values? What's important to me? What matters to me? And then how can I get my financial life in alignment with that. So has my spending gone off the rails? Well, if it has, it's usually because I'm spending unconsciously and I have not been in touch with my values. So money is a stand in for what we value. The more value we add to the world, the more money we make, and the more we're in alignment with our own values, um, the better our relationship with money becomes.
0: Hmm. I like that. I mean, because it's... um often not about the numbers right it's about our behavior it's about our mindset it's about what we value which a lot of times we don't take the time to consider life's busy where you know things happen rapidly we um these sort of like the soul searching aspect of your financial uh reality is something that we completely skip you know we we go straight to the spending and we don't even think about the why behind it or the how come Exactly,
1: and I'm really all about the why. Um, To me, it doesn't the what doesn't really matter if we have not addressed the why. And I think that we should be constantly in an inquiry with ourselves around why am I doing this right now? And the more we can pay attention to the why, the more our behavior ends up changing because the the sheer act of becoming aware and kind of becoming the witness of ourselves that. That separation creates change. Just the awareness.
0: So this kind of transitions us well into my next question, which is about money memories. And so to learn kind of the context of the of of, of where your philosophy stems from, take us back. Take us back to a time in your life. Maybe it was when you were really young, or more recently, uh, a memory, a money memory that really helped. Shape, define, influence—how you think about money today. Take us there. Where, where were you? What happened? What, what did you learn? So, when I was sixteen, my parents got divorced, and
1: what I saw is my mom in a lot of financial fear. And my parents have very different financial philosophies. So, I grew up kind of with you know my dad's version and my mom's version, and so learning about money was um, complicated just because they have very different philosophies. And so when the divorce happened, I saw my mom scared. Um, She had, so my mom is Dr. Christian Northrup, and she's written a couple of New York Times bestselling books on women's health. She's been on Oprah. She's a big deal. She's a big deal. My mom is awesome. And she was 50 at the time and realized that she had made it to the age of 50 without ever learning about money. She actually had never been single since she was 13, believe it or not. (laughs) It was somebody since she was 13. And so there she was at 50, single for the first time ever, really, um, since she was a child, basically. And she had... she really knew she needed to get on the fast track. I mean, she was afraid she was maybe gonna lose the house and she had given all financial decisions to my dad, just assuming because he's a man, he would know better than her. And so when she went through that, I watched her and was around at the time. It was, my sister had gone to college and and my dad was no longer living with us. So it was just me and my mom. And I made this internal, kind of like this, internal pact with myself to never end up in that same situation of lack of knowledge and lack of empowerment. And so I started reading all of these books on personal finance when I was in high school. Um, right along with her, we read. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I read Smart Women Finish Rich by David Bach. Um all of that stuff and I put myself on this track to become financially literate and I'm really grateful for that. Of course, you know, I veered off plenty of times myself, but, mm. um, but that moment was a pretty crystallizing moment where I made a decision to do it differently than my mom had and I'm really grateful to her because she shared her journey with me and she handed me these books and she said, listen, mm. it's, you're a young woman and you need to learn about this. I didn't learn about this and let's do this together.
0: That's awesome that she did that. I think sometimes parents underestimate the ability for their, you know, adolescent kids, teenage kids to really understand money. And I mean, yeah, you're not going to maybe understand all of it, but bringing you into their journey and letting their kids um, see how they are thinking and managing and, 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 earning I yeah. think is invaluable and you know you, you'll make mistakes obviously we all do um, but I think that's a huge gift
1: yeah yeah it's I am really grateful for it it's interesting I have a friend who um, was over the other day and we were talking about um, the woman who helps us keep our house clean and she's fabulous <laughs> and I was recommending her and he told me later on that he hadn't wanted to discuss. The money aspect in front of his daughter, who was there, and I thought that was such an interesting thing. You know, she's mm-hmm. she's old enough to start to learn about money, and um, and I thought it was so strange that he didn't want to discuss anything financial in front of her. And I think that when we when we don't give our, I mean, I'm not a parent yet, so we'll see, right? But I think when we when we don't give our our children the benefit of the doubt that they're smart enough to learn this, we really do them a disservice because then suddenly they're 18 or, you know, 22 graduating from college and they've never been trusted to
0: be smart enough to handle
1: it. And then they do really stupid things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah. Even even when you have the education, you still can do some stupid things. So imagine and if I you have no education. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just... Well, we actually transition well now into my next question. It's almost like, you know, the questions, what are what's coming at you. Uh, financial fail. This is what I think um, is always interesting to learn, especially from the, you know, the pros and the authors and the experts who have it together, but, you know, what we didn't always. And so um, I think you talk about this in your book as well. It's sort of an impetus for why you wanted to write the book, right, that you weren't always successful. Share a disappointment with us, a financial fail, if you will, that um, – life altering or at least was an awakening of, of sorts for you and and what did you learn and then i want to know what was the stupidest thing you ever bought crazy dumb <laughs> thing that you ever bought oh okay you so, can start with that first if you want if there's really a good one
1: dumb thing i ever bought gosh um i do remember one particular moment this is not a crazy dumb thing but one particular moment which which i think illustrates um my my past history with money was that I had made a pact to myself that I was no longer going to spend money on my credit cards because I realized once I totaled it up in my early 20s, I had gotten myself into over $20,000 worth of credit card debt, which, you know, I know in the grand scheme of things, some people hear that and they're like, that's really not that much money. But when you are in your early 20s and you manage to rack that up in a little over a year, to me, that's a lot. It it felt like a lot. And Mm -hmm. that's what, I mean, that's my philosophy. It doesn't really matter the numbers. It matters how it feels. And it felt like a lot and I had just been really unconscious with my spending, and I had spent willy-nilly, and um, you know it was, it was a mess. So one of the things that I remember, I had made this decision to not spend any money on my credit cards, I was only gonna use my debit card, um, I was gonna pay off my debt, and then I went to this um, sample sale, or this like, um, it was kinda like a sample sale with vintage stuff, I'm not sure, but it was really cool, and I found this Prada coat that I was just like, oh my God, this coat is gorgeous, it was an amazing price, And I remember the moment, I will never forget, I remember where the checkout counter was, Mm -hmm. I remember what wallet I had at the time, and I pulled out my credit card, and it was one more thing that I put on my credit card. And I remember the moment of going for the short term, kind of that short term high of buying something, and also how bad it felt to betray myself, because I had made a promise and I was breaking my promise. And you know, I I gave the coat I think I gave the coat away like really soon after that. I never ended up wearing it. It was one of
0: those like moments every time you look at it, you're like, Oh, yes, what do they do? Painful, and it was
1: kind of impulsive and it wasn't even my style and you know, it was the whole thing. And so um yeah, I would say my financial fails were definitely around impulsivity. And not being conscious of why I was spending the money I was spending. And also, in my early 20s, being in New York City, young professional, starting my business, building, kind of building a name for myself, I had this idea that I needed to look a certain way and that I needed to look like I had it more together than I did. And that to me meant spending more money than I actually had because I wanted to look more successful than I actually was. And I threw myself under the bus a lot because I went to dinners that I didn't have the money for. I went on trips. I went to trainings. Um, I bought clothes, like things that I just didn't have the money for. I would buy them because I wanted to look a certain way. And I, I think that that was my Achilles heel. And I'm grateful to have largely overcome that tendency.
0: So would you also say that that coat was the dumbest thing you ever bought or was there something, (laughs) was
1: there something even dumber? That's what, I mean, that's, what's coming up for me right now. Um, I can't think of anything. I I will say this. It's like, on the one hand, I really felt like I betrayed myself in that moment. And, And there are certainly things that I bought that I'm just, you know, I was like, just, you know, more of an accumulation of shoes and clothes and and this and that or whatever. Um, but I also don't have any regrets. You know, I, I spent money on, for example, I spent money on this uh, training class called the, war. what was it called? Enlightened Warrior Training um, through T. Harvecker and his company, Peak Potentials. And I did not have the money for it. I went, it was totally insane, the things that they made you do, like very much one of those kind of you know, break you down physically until you, whatever, have some sort of breakthrough (laughs) situation. (laughs) And, uh, but I also, so, so I went to that and, um, that was probably money I didn't need to spend. But at the same time, um, I met a couple of my best friends there and I also refer back to a couple of those moments a lot. So I feel like that, so I, I don't really don't have any spending regrets, I guess, if I were to tell the truth. I really see the larger picture of how, and that's part of my philosophy is if we spend a lot of time beating ourselves up for our past mistakes, we keep ourselves really stuck as opposed to looking at our financial past from the perspective of, okay, these are the choices I made and here's here are the ways in which they actually led me to where I am today. So for for many reasons, it was actually perfect that I chose to go to that class, even though I didn't have the money, even though traditional wisdom would have said, you know, don't do that, I did it, and I don't have regrets because it's actually enriched my life in yeah. a lot of ways and led me to where I am.
0: Yeah, I mean, there is a fine line between, you know, spending on something that you truly believe will help you in the future, even if it means maybe to- Putting on a credit card or getting, um, you know, spending above your means to afford it. I mean, there, I think this sounds like it was a it was a smart bet. You know, I could yeah. say, but like then there's, you know, buying that really expensive suit that. You could have bought, like, a slightly less expensive suit and still gotten the job, <laughs> you know. Um, exactly. <laughs> we rationalize sort of these personal investments sometimes that aren't really investments, that just more and more superficial. But I truly think that things like courses and um, networking, paying a networking event fee that might connect you with just one person out of the 800 that are there that could, you know, take your business from You know, from point A to point B. I think those are the smart bets that you know. You still have to be smart about it. You don't want to you know bet the house on something. But uh, I'm glad to say that that worked out for you because it's an example of how you can really you know invest in yourself even when you don't have you don't think you you can really afford it.
1: Exactly, and I think that really is the key word. There's there are things that we there um sometimes that you know we take a risk on something and we. It's more of an investment. So, I do believe, like, for example, with credit card debt, there are investments that I have made over the years that maybe I didn't have the capital for, but I knew it was going to pay off in a pretty short period of time. So, I see that as investment debt as opposed to consumer debt. Whereas, you know, I bought some shoes that were definitely not going to pay off in the short term. Right,
0: right. And you can learn from that investment, from that. And, and start to apply what you've learned immediately, you know, so you can, you're in control of maybe making a return on that. Whereas, you know, shoes, as we know, especially in New York City, they, they get chewed up by the streets. And it's... Not kidding. Oh, but I have made the stupid purchase of spending, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say how much on shoes, but um, I'm getting <laughs> over it. Let's talk... Let's shift it now to talk about something that we're really, you're something that you're really proud of financially speaking, a so money moment, a time in your life when you had a financial win. Um, What was your favorite moment among the many that you've probably had?
1: So it was, I was sitting on my mom's kitchen counter. I was just home from my first year at Brown University. And I was having a conversation with her about, what I was gonna do that summer. And in that moment, I decided to start my business for real with, I had had this business for a little while, but I hadn't ever actually buckled down and done it. And it was a network marketing business with a company called USANA. And I started that business because I had a dream of creating financial freedom by the age of 30 so that I could be home with my kids and still make a really great income, not have to sacrifice my income in order to stay home. And really to be able to be a really super present mom. And so I made that decision when I was 18. I achieved that goal by the time I was 28. Although I could have done it a lot sooner if I hadn't gotten myself into all that debt. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's still, I think, a really great, you know, a great trajectory. And um, that was a so money moment because I decided to dedicate my time during my summer vacations and my Christmas vacations to building that business. So while my friends were out um, partying in the woods with their red solo cups, which is how we do it in Maine. (laughs) Oh,
0: we do it at Penn State too, where I
1: went. Okay. I was, I was oftentimes on conference calls and doing training and doing business events. And, um, you know, I want to go back and give my 18 year old self a really big hug
0: <laughs>
1: and like throw her a party because, uh, that decision changed my life.
0: Yeah. This we're, we're actually, uh, almost finished here, but before we wrap, I want to ask you a few more questions. The first is a ritual that you have a so money ritual that helps keep your finances in check. Like what's a habit that you do, whether it's daily or weekly that you firmly believe helps keep your money safe and protected and growing. So this one is a little bit
1: more energetic, new agey, and that's the flavor I'm going to bring to your show. (laughs) I'm sure you have some people who are a little bit more, you know, hardcore numbers and spreadsheets, but mine is, and I stand by this, I know it makes a difference for me, when I pay for something in cash, I take a moment at the cash register, I usually step to the side so the next person can go, and I... Make sure that I put that money back in my wallet in numerical order with the president's faces all facing me and no wrinkled corners, no stuffing wads of money in my purse or in my wallet or in my pocket, because to me, that's an affirmation every single time that A, I have the time and the luxury, right? Because I think that um, our relationship with time can be very similar to our relationship with money. So taking that breath, taking that abundant moment to care for my money, and it's an affirmation to me that I am spending that time paying attention to my money and caring for it beautifully and making sure it's in a safe place, um, all organized, and that it has a safe container. And for me, that gives me a sense of abundance, and it gives me a sense of I am caring for my money,
0: you respect it. I've even heard this is maybe a myth or like an urban myth. People ironing their dollar bills. <laughs> I have heard of that as well. I don't yeah. know where I heard that. Maybe it was like a stand-up yeah. comedy joke, but I—that's um, it, it, what it reminded me of.
1: Yeah. No, my friend uh, Marie Forleo, who I'm sure you know as well, um, told me that she used to growing up, she used to wash her money and then dry it and then iron it.
0: Wow, <laughs> I'm 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 just happy her money didn't get ruined in the wash. Oh, isn't that crazy? Wow. I never did that, but yeah, that's kind of um, cute.
1: I think it's hilarious.
0: Oh my gosh, I love Marie as well. She's a phenomenal, phenomenal businesswoman and person. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've made it to almost the end here, and um, what I like to do now is kind of a, a a rapid round robin of so money fill in the blank. Okay, so I'll just start off with a sentence. You'll finish it. First thing that comes to your mind. Right. If I won the lottery tomorrow, say a hundred million dollars, I would. I would rent a house
1: for a summer and invite everybody I love to come hang out with me um, and just spend super quality time with the people I love. And I would go to Southeast Asia and donate as much money as I could while still leaving enough for me and my family to um, helping end sex trafficking.
0: Awesome. awesome. I was going to say why Southeast Asia, but you, wow. What? How did you become passionate about that? Um, <laughs> believe it or not, I
1: watched the movie um, Taken.
0: Mm. And
1: I, that is obviously such a Hollywood blockbuster. You know, it's set in Paris. It's, whatever. It's Liam Neeson killing people. However, (laughs) I was so deeply disturbed. Like, I think I had just never put, I think I just had never really realized how awful sex trafficking is. I'd heard about it. I know I kind of vaguely had an idea, but so, and then, so it was that, and I was so deeply disturbed. Um, And then I read the book, Half the Sky, and then I've just had some other conversations, and um, so yeah, it's just something that I find. Obviously, it's completely awful, and it's for for whatever reason, it is a it is a cause that um, feels really important to me, like the dignity of young women.
0: One thing that I spend money on that makes my life easier or better is having somebody else clean my house. Hmm, I've heard it that the best money I could possibly <laughs> spend. <laughs> yeah, because no one. I mean, I. You know, I wrote a book about um, women earning more, and the cr- insanity is that when she makes more, she actually does more housework, Yeah, and I think it's because she's trying to overcompensate in the housewifery department, mm-hmm. and that's such BS, right? It's oh, really? so crazy and twisted, and I'm happy, I am always love to hear when people outsource that kind of stuff that takes up so much time and, you know, you could be using that time to really improve yourself, your business, spend more time with your family, so many other better ways to spend your time. Yep. One thing that I wish I had known about money growing up is.
1: That the more we put our attention on it, the more it grows. I had this idea growing up, I think it was because I was raised in a relatively spiritual household, a little bit, a little bit new agey woo. Woo kind of had this idea that if you just do enough affirmations, um, the money thing will take care of itself. And it turns out <laughs> that you also need to have a spending plan and meet with your accountant and do your bookkeeping and track your, track your expenses. So um, I wish I had known that there's also an energetic value of paying attention to our money. Um, and then that can be a spiritual practice as well.
0: Yeah, the numbers have to make sense. Yep. You got to do the math yeah sometimes and I wrote this book called psych Yourself Rich and people were like, really should we can just like like psych ourselves into being rich. <laughs> I'm like, no, of course not' you know that that's that would be a false you know a false lie would be a lie if I told you that but there's a big a large part of managing your money well is getting in the right mindset, but absolutely you exactly. have to like you gotta you gotta spreadsheet it you do I'm so money because <laughs> because I bring
1: lightness and fun to a topic that some people can find boring and overwhelming
0: I couldn't agree more thank you so much Kate Northrop. tell us where we can learn more about you and I understand also I didn't ask you at the beginning and I apologize but uh, you have some exciting new projects this year Yeah, so you can head over to
1: katenorthrop.com. I'm really excited. We've just launched a course called Feng Shui for Financial Freedom. So if you feel like you're coming up against some roadblocks in your daily activities around making more money or saving more or just being better with your money in general, it may be because you actually have some blocks in your space. So using the art of feng shui, you can actually do some simple little tweaks to create more space for abundance in your physical space. Um, so you can check that out and, uh, and I have some articles over there and all kinds of fun stuff at katenorthrop.com.
0: Well, thank you so much for this amazing service you're giving us and we will absolutely be uh, checking you out. We'd love to have you back and wishing you a wonderful, abundant new year. You as well. Thanks again to Kate Northrup, author of Money, A Love Story. To learn more about Kate, you can visit katenorthrup.com. She's also on Twitter, at Kate Northrup. Tomorrow brings the weekend edition of So Money when I answer your biggest questions about money, work, life, maybe a previous guest. And you can send your questions very easy. Just hop on to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, send me your question, and I will put it in the queue for either this weekend or next weekend. I try to answer every question. So make it a good one. uh, And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much for joining. Hope your day is so money.